Hello, hello, hello. I know it's been so long. You guys have probably missed me so much. I know, I know. But I'm back again, better than ever. And I'm here to read you a scene from a novel I'm working on. And I just really wanted to share it. It's not on any of my blog posts or anything yet. But... I think you'll enjoy it. I had to look up whether I was allowed to even read it on Anchor and Spotify and whatnot, um, whatever platform you're listening to this on. Um, and it's not directly or explicitly, you know, uh, sexual. So I think I am fine in reading this, <laughs> but it is a romance novel and so this is like the romance-ish scene um if you want to call it romance I'm not even sure what genre it's really under yet um but the working title is the top so take with take of that what you will um but yes this one is specifically the beginning or I guess I, I'm hoping I'm, I'm pr hoping that it will be a good beginning scene, you know. But as I write more, that might change. But I thought I'd give my my readers and all my fans a little look into what I've been working on lately since I've been MIA. But anyways, without further ado, this is the top. The Top, Writing Spicy. The gentle glimmer of chandeliers dimmed at the command of dark wood and carpentry as I walked into Bemelman's bar. I had never stepped foot into the Carlisle at my father's request for propriety, but now I threw propriety to the curb. Upon turning 21, the thrill of seeing new people and places overrode my fear of my father and the press. My friend had told me that this bar was a gallery of beautiful illustrations, monetary collaboration, and clandestine infiltration, making it seem like the perfect place to meet some new people and enjoy some interesting conversation. Taking a seat at the bar, I smile softly at the bartender, hoping that will be enough to get his attention. He didn't even glance my way, but walked toward me while shaking a cocktail. Stopping in front of me, smiling, he said, What can I do for you, love? I glanced at the menu, looked at the bartender, and said, Surprise me. Give me your best. Rum and whiskey are my liquors of choice. Excited by the challenge, the bartender poured and served a peach daiquiri in his shaker to the middle-aged man that ordered it and walked to the other end of the bar to start my drink. The bar was crowded when I first arrived, so I simply sat in the first open seat I found. Given time to observe my surroundings, I noticed the illustrations on the wallpaper were like the ones from a book my father used to read to me, and began to feel nostalgia wash over me. Doesn't it make you feel nostalgic? said the man next to me. I laughed and turned toward the mind reader on my right. I was just thinking that. 
He wore a crisp white dress shirt tucked into navy pinstripe slacks that were held in place by a shiny black leather belt. His hair was slicked back to reveal a soft oval face. He seemed to only be a few inches taller than me, but his posture was strong, yet still perfectly at ease. A still Bugallery watch, very similar to my father's, encircled his left wrist. He chuckled. Well, I noticed you inspecting it as I did when I first came in, and figured you had excellent parents who read you Madeline as a kid as well. I'm not sure just the act of reading Madeline is the pinnacle of parenting, but I do happen to have some pretty great parents. Mr. Mindreader shrugged. Perhaps, but it's better than not reading Madeline to your children. However, reading Madeline is not a requirement to be excellent parents, rather a common feature among them. It also wasn't your fascination with the wallpaper that made me comment on your parentage, but the way you carry yourself in an almost regal manner, as well as your unique way of ordering drinks. His eloquence and flattery brought color to my cheeks unexpectedly. I suppose my parentage might have something to do with that. However, my father would not be very happy to know that I'm here right now. Why is that? he asked, leaning in closer. Because, I said, leaning in just enough to get a whiff of the light, fresh scent of his cologne. He worries too much about what other people think. At that moment, the bartender returned with two glasses in hand. An old Cuban for the lady, and an old-fashioned for you, sir. We thanked the bartender for his service and sat for a moment in silence to slip our drinks. This is absolutely delicious, I exclaimed. How have I never had an old Cuban before? Well, this isn't any old Cuban. This is Luis Serrano's old Cuban, the best in town, said the man with a wink. Ah, so this isn't your first time. No, but I still find myself staring at the walls as if it were. However, where were we? I think you were telling me what your father would think of you chatting up a man you barely know in the infamous Bemblin's Bar. I looked up from my glass and into his hazel eyes. I think it would depend on the man I'm chatting up. He nodded slowly. I see. Well, allow me to formally introduce myself. I'm Harlan Aldrich, senior banker at JDB. And you are? Laura DeRusso. DeRusso, you say? Well, am I not the luckiest man in the room? I'm sitting next to a celebrity. I stated that I was in no way a celebrity, just a product of one. My dear, being the mayor's daughter in no way makes you a mere product. You're much more than that. Sure, you're the whole package, but you are in no way simply a product. He signaled to the bartender for another round. This one's on me. Bashful, I said. Oh no, you don't have to. He faced me, looking visually offended that I even insinuated that this act was of social obligation, and stated, but I want to. 
After a few more drinks and pleasant conversation, I asked Laura if she'd be interested in continuing our conversation upstairs. The bar had become even more crowded, and it was getting difficult to hear her. I didn't want to miss a single word, so I figured my room would be the best choice. You're staying in the car, Lyle? I thought you worked in town, she asked, confused. I explained that my place was undergoing renovations, and I figured I'd use it as an excuse for a staycation. I also love this bar, so the Carlisle was the obvious choice. Well, it is quite loud in here, she said. I would love to continue our conversation. Let me just get my coat. I paid both tabs and left a big tip for the best bartender in town. I met her at the bar's entrance, and we walked to the elevator together. Trying to maintain my composure, I took a deep breath before stepping in. The doors closed and we were finally truly alone. She asked, which floor? The top, I said. As we slowly ascended, we continued to chat playfully. There was a tension between us that was becoming unbearable for me to endure without acting on it. But I didn't want to scare her off. She's beautiful, smart, charming, and comes from a good family. However, a wrong move could cost me my career, or worse, if she tells her father. Sensing my anxiety, she said, Don't be nervous. I won't run to daddy if we don't get along. I'm an adult. I can tell a man off on my own. I smile at her strength and wit. Hopefully you won't have a reason to with me. I don't think I will, but let's test it. She grabbed my waist and pushed me to the wall. Then, holding me to the wall by my wrists, she kissed my neck. Forcing a groan past my lips. She continued to kiss and bite my neck, holding me down harder every time I struggled. This was the first time any woman had been so dominant with me, and I had to admit that I liked it. Unable to take the teasing any longer, I begged, Will you please just kiss me? I am kissing you, she said mischievously. I whimper. On the lips. Her lips felt so soft and wanted more. She lifted her head out of the crook of my neck. You're so cute when you beg. As she pressed her petal pink lips to mine, I felt blood rushing down from my brain as the elevator dinged and the doors opened.